Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie, and with me, as always, is... Hey, everybody, what's going on? It is Jason. After you introduce yourself, I always feel like, well, crap, I didn't have anything prepared to say, but you don't say anything, you just sit there silently, so I know I have to say something, but I have nothing. Well, how about we do this? I'll say something. We have a Discord channel now, so if you want to chat with us, you can sign up for that. How about that? Is that something? Sure. You could have said it in a more interesting way. There's a Discord channel. Yay! I didn't mean to be a weirdo about it. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I can't help myself. I am a weirdo. But if you just can't get enough of talking to us or listening to us be annoying on the podcast, you absolutely can join us on Discord. Um, I have apparently at some point used Discord, but like most things, I've forgotten and I'm old and I don't understand technology. So I did somehow get in the Discord chat. Now, if I ever see the chat, if I ever see notifications, um, if I ever respond, I'm not sure if that's going to happen, but... um, we're there. Yeah. And you can find links to it at, on our Facebook page, Twitter, uh, YouTube, community section. But that link will eventually expire, so I'll keep refreshing it. So if you guys want to join, you can. Did you put it on our website, bgmechanics.com? Uh, I didn't, because I'm, I'm actually waiting for this first initial link to expire. It has seven days. Then I want to do a permanent link that doesn't expire, and then I will. Oh, that sounds all very fancy. Only the fanciest for our listeners. That's right. Um, I know we chat with some of you on like Facebook Messenger, um, but not everyone likes Facebook Messenger or is a part of that. So, um, oh, oh, I, I did. I get a Discord notification. Oh, it's from you. <laughs> I was like real excited. Like, hey, I'm in this. No. I sent you a, I sent a test just so you could see if it would show up. It's <laughs> my husband's. Uh, that's funny. I did change my profile picture and put a waving robot. Yeah, good job. Okay. Anyway, let's let's move away from stuff I know nothing about to other things I hardly know anything about. And let's talk about news and crowdfunding. Today, I'm working on both crowdfunding platforms that I know about, and that's GameFound and Kickstarter. So I'm going to start with GameFound because... Both my husband and number one fan, Mike Corny, mentioned this game to me, and it sounded really cool because you know I love unique themes. This game is called Pilgrim. And at first I'm like, oh, is it like a John Wayne (laughs) game? It should be. (laughs) Or is it... Then I thought, okay, it's not John Wayne. (laughs) Maybe it's... I'm like, like Mayflower Pilgrim? No, it's neither. It's actually about being an abbot or an abbess of your own 14th century abbey, which, again, not a very common theme. But this is a Euro style game. They said it has like 14xx tiling, which I'm like, uh. That just means you're putting tiles down to build a route. That's all that yeah, means. Yeah, it's so, yeah. So you're just building routes. I don't know why they feel like they want to throw that in to maybe get Asian XX players. But this seems like it has like 26 rounds, you know, zero randomness once the game starts, um, different possible setups. Now, there is some player interaction, which I'm not always into. But based on what this game looks like, you have your own, you're an acolyte, you got your acolyte, and also the acolyte um, meeples are really cool. 
they look really cute. Um, <laughs> because I don't know why they're so cute. There's these little acolytes. There's like yellow and white and um, red and blue. And they're so cute. They've got their little like hoods on and their little ropes tied around their waists and their little um, like sandals showing. They're really cute. I, I don't understand why I'm so obsessed with these acolytes, but I do love them. So you've got acolytes um, that are going out. You're trying to, you know, get like serfs that are going to become acolytes. So like, but you also have serfs that have to like help, you know, keep everything going. Right. Um, you're going out and you're doing like pilgrim trails. There's trade routes. That's kind of the tiling part um, so that you can get money so that you can um, help get people like to do vocational tasks. You've got people that kind of their duties are changing as they some maybe get ordained or they stay working um, in the area. You're giving money to the poor. You're building like annexes. You're trying to like move up on like this piety track. It looks like um, going to certain shrines. The artwork is really cool. I think it has like this. Um, I don't know, sort of renaissance looking box cover almost but then a lot of the rest of the art reminds me of like a queen game foreshadowing <laughs> um but it really does but there's some cool stuff there's also solo a solo game mode as well um so lots like worker placement you know managing your peeps it looks like a really cool game like and i love that it's a different theme like Okay, I want to make sure the Abbey service, I want to get acolyte numbers because we need to go out and do these things. Um, you know, we got to like visit people. We got to give money to the poor. We got to be really pious. Like all those kind of managing things. Um, and there's like a Mencala movement mechanism. So like that's where your acolytes go across like the different duties that you have, um, which doesn't, they don't show that very well on this, um, I don't, not Kickstarter page, but on this game found page. But also I didn't watch the videos because, gosh, people know me. But Rado does run through this, so I really should have watched Rado's. But this is from Spielworks, which I feel like they have a history of some good stuff. Not that I can name anything by Spielworks, but it seems like that sticks in my brain. Yeah, they have good heavy Euros. I am drawing a blank, too, because a lot of their games come over from someone else in America. That's true, So because they're, they're a German company, right? Yeah, I believe so. Um, I just think that idea, like England, thir 14th century, um, you know, you're working on becoming like a a good monastery, like runner. I mean, abbots and abbess, but you're running the abbey. I like that. So if you are interested, my description is bad and you want to actually watch the videos, I would recommend that. Check this out on GameFound. Pilgrim has nine days left when this episode drops and... It's in Sterling, so it's about $86, which seems, wow, really expensive. Yeah, uh, and I don't know why they keep comparing it to 18xx, because this game looks way too good to be an 18xx game. So I don't even know why they mention that. It just seems dumb. Well, I'm sure they're trying to get all the Euro players and the 18xx players in. I guess. But yeah, 86 bucks. I, this game looked cool. I was interested. Then I saw the price and I was less interested because it doesn't look like it needs to be $86. I, I know. I, even 64 acute acolytes, I don't think results in $86. But No, no. It still looks looks really good. So check it out. The next game is on Kickstarter and it's a completely different kind of theme. 
but one that I don't think uh, has been uh, like not done. Like this is kind of something that I've seen a lot more games use this theme. And this game is Ahau Rulers of Yucatan. So this game looks really kind of interesting. You are like this ruler and a how um, in the Yucatan. And there's like these three eras that each represent 20 years, but there's a certain number of rounds in the game. And you're going to take your ruler and you go to like a region. You play it. You have two region cards in your hand. You play one to pick your region. And I think the second one like actually works as like your um like which number you want to go or I'm not sure it might be your military strength I don't know but you have to play two cards they only talk about how one indicates the region that does not make sense to me yeah it's probably like um Xi'an where you play two cards and one is the order in which you can do the action I I thought that because I also saw a quote from Rada that was like that but actually it says when you do like the gameplay is if you choose a region of somebody else, you fight them to see who goes there and you have like a military strength. I'm assuming there's a track for that. And then also, Oh yeah. Yeah. Your military strength is equal to the number on the right hand region card. Good job, Katie. So that's your military strength. So if we're, if we have to duke it out for this area, the second card is my strength. And then if you have any weapons tiles that you can fight with, that decides who gets to go to that region. So there's a little bit of conflict, which I don't love, you couldn't just get booted to like a secondary region. But then once you get into a region, you can do many things in there. So you can pick up a pyramid tile, which you're kind of building these pyramids, like stuff on these pyramids to help score you points. Um, then you have work, like once you have your ruler in a region, you've got other little meeple workers that can go to the spaces, the cities that are in that region. And there you can... Um, like you get resources, like you produce there. You also then can summon like the guy that matches the city where your worker is and they have special actions. So if you have that kind of tile, um, then you can build on your little pyramid type thing to get points that way. Like a lot of really interesting things going on here. Also really cool art. Another thing I thought was really interesting is that they worked with an expert, like a Mayan, I believe it's Mayan. Gosh, now I'm going to screw it up. Yes. They worked with a Mayan expert to make sure this game actively like reflected the culture, the Mayan civilization. Um, the illustration matches like historical events in Mayan history, like um, so all those people that want to get like jump on projects about them being racist or whitewashing or whatever um, without any actual knowledge. Uh, this one, they really went out of their way to make sure that this game reflected the culture it's representing, which I think is really cool. I I'm glad they went the extra mile. I don't think it really took that much effort but maybe not to find a mayan expert um there's these really cool like pyramid temples that are kind of built up um in there like it has a lot of neat production a lot of great artwork um it just looks like a really fun game where you're kind of moving around trying to be the best ruler than in the yucatan so if that interests you if you like those games that are set kind of 
in the Yucatan, whether Mayan, Incan, Aztec. I would check this out. It's got difficulty levels for solo as well, which I think is always a cool idea that they consider that. Um, you can also, I think, try it out right now on... Um, Probably Tabletopia or Tabletop Simulator. On Tabletop Simulator. So if that interests you at all, this is uh, a how Rulers of Yucatan. There's seven days left on this Kickstarter. And it's 65 bucks, which compared to Pilgrim seems fairly reasonable. Yeah, I really like that card mechanism. I I don't know if I've seen a lot of games do it other than Xi'an, but... Apparently... It, um, it's really cool. Rado said a game that we don't play does it. Uh, a game that everybody knows but us. What is the name of that game? Come on, Katie, use your brain. Um, it's not the Jaws of the Lion, but the real version. Oh, uh, Gloomhaven. Gloomhaven. So it's a Gloomhaven-esque initiative system, he mentions. Uh, I gotcha. Yeah, I will... We do need to play Jaws of the Lion eventually. I think uh, it could be cool. Yes, but how it's got this really great like Euro stuff, and there's a little bit of conflict. Um, even even Care Bear Rado said it wasn't too cutthroat because even if you lose in a confrontation, um, you're still able to do some stuff. I don't know what that is because I didn't go into it and I didn't watch Rado's video, but it does look like a really neat game about Mayan civilization. So check out a how. Yeah, sounds cool. And my last one is adorable. But when I first saw it, I thought, oh, this is just like Everdell. But it's not. And the game is called Deep Root Dwellers. Um, from a guy who's like from Cincinnati. I just now saw that. Kevin Wil Wilhelm. I was going to say, is it PDB? It is not PDB. <laughs> um, I forget. I don't know. He said it has two games that he's made. He lives in Chicago now, but... That's like Cincinnati adjacent. It's fine. <laughs> but he was raised in Cincinnati. So the game is Deep Root Dwellers. And like Everdell, it's about an adorable city filled with anthropomorphic animals. And they're so cute. Like the artwork on this is boss, right? But the game is a deck builder with a board. So it's like deck builder worker placement. But you use your cards to place your workers. So you have this adorable little town. The king is coming to visit your town. So you got to make sure it is nice. There are 10 rounds in this. And you play, I believe, five cards each round. So you really have to choose what you do wisely. And the way you do that is you place the cards that you draw out of your deck onto different areas of the board. Each little animal has different skills. In some ways, it looks like uh, scavengers, Arctic scavengers, where like maybe they're really good at planting or they're not so good at planting, but they really help you recruit people. Um, and then they also have a power on the card. So you can play the cards to, um, you know, plant and use their planting ability. You can recruit more um, people for your or animals, I guess not people for your deck. You can go to the mine and collect golds. Um you can explore and that actually really earns you like bonuses. It's like a track almost when you explore, which I think is interesting. Um, you can garden so you can put flowers and statues onto like a personal player board to make it look nice and you can score kind of set collection that way. Um, and then each round is a, has a season card and the season card is like really interesting. And some of your player, some of your cards, your little animals work 
well during certain seasons and you can you you can go you play your cards there to score like maybe it's a certain number of points based on what kind of um like skill you have or it can i don't know give you research like it's just it's different things so that it also helps you count the seasons as well because there's 10 of those season cards and or there's an area where you can just play the card and the ability that that card has um, you can just use that instead of playing it in, in a certain area. You have your own recruitment cards. Each person does. It's in, in a way that like, Don't Turn Your Back does, where we all have the same cards, but they can come out in different arrangements, which I like that about Don't Turn Your Back, but this is not creepy like Don't Turn Your Back because it's these adorable like little moles and frogs and I don't know what that is, a fox. And they're just so, so cute. Um, unfortunately, I don't know if this is going to fund, which sucks because it looks it looks adorable. Like it looks like it would be a fun game. I love deck builders. I like when you combine a deck builder with a board. I think this seems pretty unique. I think part of it is that it is so cute. But then you just when you play your cards, you just lay them on these squares on the board. As opposed to like Everdell, where it's like in the artwork is integrated with where you're placing your workers. Um, so I really hope it funds, though. There's still some time. There's still some time, though. Um, there's 13 days left on Deep Root Dwellers. If you like deck building, if you like deck builders with a board, if you like adorable animals in a game, um, if you like, you know, set collection, like there's a lot of things that are cute and good and going on with this game. Check it out. Deep Root Dwellers. There's 13 days left on that Kickstarter when this episode drops. 45 bucks. Yeah, I was looking this up when you were talking. The art is cute. I think part of the reason that he's not funding is he wants 40 grand for a deck builder and he's only done one other small game. That kind of turns people off sometimes. Mm. So, I mean, the gameplay is probably really good. It, it, You know, deck builder, you can't really go wrong there. But the price point might be a little, he might need to revisit that. Mm, maybe you're right. I don't know about the business business part of it. But those are the crowdfunding news things that I have for this week. All right, so let's talk about some games that we played. And we are going to talk about three again this week. We went over to Katie's cousin's house and we played some games with her and her husband and his cousin. And we also played our regular Monday night uh, game night with our friend Chris, our friends Chris and Amy. And we're going to talk about some of these games. So the first game we're going to talk about is a game we've talked about before, but... We got to play it this time with both the expansions. And that game is called Lords of Vegas. And the expansions are Up and Underworld. So we've gone over Lords of Vegas before. This is a game where you're getting plots off the Vegas Strip and you're building casinos. And you're trying to then have the highest die in those casinos. You may merge with other people's casinos to make them more, more valuable in points and money. But what Up does is instead of sprawling out meaning, you know, side by side and like three by three grids or whatever, you can go up and you can build additional platforms per the number of players. So if you're playing a five player game, you could have a level one casino, but you could stack it five tiles high. So you'd eventually have a level six casino and it's only taking up one square on the board. Now it's not cheap. It's going to cost you $15 million per square or per um, up tile that you're using, but it's going to add up points pretty quickly if that hotel hits. Or casino hits. I keep calling them hotels. I don't know why. And Underworld is this extra deck of cards. It gets put on this little sideboard. And 
at the beginning of your turn, you're going to flip one of these cards, and it's going to be some kind of way to break the rules of the game, score additional points, give you some kind of extra powers in the game. And that's another action you can take is you can spend money. Each of the card has a cost. You can spend uh, money that you have to buy this card to either score points immediately, score points at the end of the game, get some crazy power like um, re-rolling some dice for free or using an extra tile so you have more options that other people don't have, all that kind of thing. So same base game, a few additional actions. But the additional actions, I think, just jazz it up a little bit and give you more stuff to think about on your turn. So what do you think about Lords of Vegas with both the expansions? I mean, I like this game a lot, always. Um, But I think the expansions were cool because sometimes you get a turn, you're like, gosh, I just I've got a little bit of money, but not enough to do anything with as far as a casino or whatever. I'm hoping for my cards to hit. Having these underworld cards that really can do some powerful things, I think, are awesome. Especially the ones that just give you outright points. Because points can be... I won the game from that. I know. I'm still ticked about it. I lost by two because of that. <laughs> and I was going to buy that card, too, on my turn. You ruin everything. Um, but for me, I obviously, I love like in-game goals and like points that come out of nowhere at the end that I've been working on through the whole game. That's how I like to <laughs> win games. Um, so I like having that because sometimes, man, like I just, the dice rolls aren't working for me. Um, my casinos aren't, you know, getting paid out. So I like that there's another option to kind of supplement that um, in a game that's obviously very luck driven. So I think this is good. I also like the idea of the where you can build up because occasionally I'll be like, Ooh, look at me with my, with my one casino, or maybe I can manage to get a two. And then I'm like, yeah, but after a while that two casino can only get you so far. And sprawling makes me nervous and it's really expensive. And I may not be able to get the properties next to me, or they may be like eaten up, or I might not be able to get additional colors in the casino that I've already built. So the idea that I can build up and be able to generate those bigger point values as the game goes on, I think is is really awesome. I, I just think it makes a good game better. The base game, obviously, absolutely wonderful. I love it. Um, but the these two expansions make me feel like I could maybe have more of a chance the more times we play it. So I thought it was really great. Yeah, I, I like the up part. It's super expensive to build those extra tiles, but but not really, a, not compared to like I'm going to sprawl and take over this next move because I need to get a three casino or a four casino. Well, that's true. Yeah, like I had a level one casino and I just kept it at a one, and then I just built up and I turned it into a level three, which was pretty cool. So it's just taking up one little section of the board, and it was a level three, which was pretty awesome. So I do like it. It's just when you have a level one casino, though, you're getting four million up to six million dollars. That's it. And a, yeah. an up tile cost you $15 million. So you're trying to figure out other ways to get money, which is crazy. But the Underworld cards, I love that stuff. Random stuff that just comes in and breaks the game and just uh, gives you these crazy powers that you can use once and then they're gone. Or power that you can always have where you can reroll dice for free, which is insane. Not all of yeah. them, just the really bad low ones. Still, it's still cool. It was cool. Like, so yeah, I like both the expansions. I love this game. And now that I've played it with the expansions, I'll probably never play it without because it's just... It's, it doesn't add a ton to teaching it, really. True. And it just it makes the gameplay just a few more things you can do in your turn, which is cool. Yeah. All right, so the next game we're going to talk about is a game that's, I don't know, it's been out for a few years, I think. Uh, it's not as old as Lords of Vegas. But um, <laughs> this is from Renegade Games. I'm not sure who the designer is, but the game is called Pie Town. 
and I, I, this game kind of came and went. It was one of Sam Healy's like favorite games for like five minutes, and then he stopped talking about it. But what this game is is you are a different baker. Uh, you have a character, and you have a player board in front of you, and you're running, um, I guess, a bakery. Yes, kind of. bakery. And you're, the way that that works is you have four dice, and each of the dice are just valued one through six. They have images too, but that is irrelevant. They're just one through six. And on your turn, you're going to use one of your available dice to go do something. So you can send it to your own player board, and you can upgrade your kitchen. You can bake some pies. Uh, you can hire more workers. But some of the actions are going to either increase the value of your die or decrease the value of your die. So like if you're going to hire a worker, you're going to lose some some influence on that die because HR stinks and no one wants to do that. <laughs> so you can send a die, a die out to the, tr- the tree that's in the middle of the board to collect resources to make these pies. You're trying to get apples, three different colors of apples, pumpkins, bananas, and strawberries to make certain recipes of pie. And when you go out there, you can level up your... Um, Uh, your die as well. And then ultimately you're wanting to bake these pies using different ingredients or maybe your own secret ingredient that no one else knows but you. No, secret recipe. The ingredient Secret recipe. That's right. Yeah, secret recipe. Then you're going to send, you're going to bake the pies, you're going to score some points for baking the pies and you're going to send them out to this board that's um, in the center of the table and you're going to score points if someone goes to that space and sells pies. So you can sell columns of pies or you can sell the bottom rows of pies. Every pie that's in there is going to score a certain amount of points. Secret recipe pies are the most points and the three apple pie, which is the common ingredient, are the least amount of points. But it doesn't matter who sells. If they sell your pie, you get points. The person who goes there with the die gets some additional points just because they went there. And they also get to draw two random goods. So it's one of those games where you're trying to collect resources, use the resources to um, convert into pies, sell pies, get, get a pile of points. But the cool thing is, is you can try to go to the tree with a die that's higher than someone else that went there and you can spy on their ingredients. So if I go there with a two, I get to collect two ingredients. If you go there with a, a five, you don't get to collect any ingredients. Yes, you, or you do. do get to collect in, you do get to collect ingredients. You won't get to level up your person, but you'll get a look at the person's secret ingredients based on the difference of the dice between the two. So if I had a two, Katie had a five, she would get a look at all three of my secret ingredients in my box so she knows what my secret recipe is. And now she can try to make my pie to score some points. At the end of the game, if you know people's recipes, you're going to score some points, all that kind of thing. So a little bit of deduction, but really going to the place, gathering some stuff, making some pies, trying to get as many points as you can. Um, it It's a pretty fun game. It's not like super heavy, not super deep. Uh, it has really cool production, really nice bits, cute art. And I thought the way the dice worked and the worker placement and resource management was all really fun. So I dig it. So what did you think about Pie Town and my terrible explanation? Um, your explanation was all right. Uh, I, I do really like this a lot. Um, the one thing about like the secret pies or the secret recipe pies is, yes, it costs. Um, you get a lot more points for them. But every time you bake pies, you have to reveal all the greens you use to bake the pies. So that allows people to figure out what you might have as your secret ingredient without ever even yeah. looking at them. So you don't want to just bake your secret recipe pie because people are going to know what it is. But like, I don't really care. Like it is nice. Like four points um, per secret recipe pie can be helpful at the end of the game. Um, if you know all the whole recipe, but um, seven points for making seven a pie. points. Yeah. So I was just making like my secret recipe a bunch of times. I'm like, you can figure it out if you want. I don't care. But there's also a square where you can change the ingredients in your recipe, which is pretty cool. 
Um, so then people don't always quite know, but that also like downgrades a worker. It requires you to use a worker for that um, when you probably want to be baking pies or getting ingredients. I thought it was really fun. The artwork is really cute. It kind of reminds me of like shelfie stacker art. Yeah. Similar to that. I thought, and like the colors are the same. I love like the specialty dice like they're big and chunky because you're really using them as workers and you're not rolling them but I I like the detail that went into them I was like kind of distracted by the pictures I'm like oh this one has a whisk and so then I was like oh maybe it does different things but it doesn't it's just like a higher powered like it's it's gotten more experience as a baker um I I thought it was it is light in a lot of ways but I thought it was really fun. I kind of would like to own this because I think a lot of people would find it accessible and it's not so light that I feel like I haven't actually done some work to play this game. Um, I do have to stretch my game muscles when I play this. So I I really enjoyed it a lot, actually. Yeah, I thought it was fun. Uh, It might have gone on maybe a round or two too long, but I still think it was fun. You would. Uh, (laughs) I did think it's fun. Get off me. Why can't you just like the games I like? I didn't say I didn't like it, did I? No. You gave your condescension like, "Mm, it's pretty light, but... We have lots of light games. Lords of Vegas is super light, and I love that game. Because it has pusher luck. True. So I don't need it to be deep. I just need it to be fun. And I thought Pie Town was fun. There you go. All right. All right. So the next game that we're going to talk about in the last game we're going to talk about was game number two of our uh, game night with our friends Chris and Amy. And it is called... Founders of Teotihuacan. I don't know how you say that. Why can't they just call it like Founders of of New Carlisle? A word that I can say. Because it's not Um, about the people of New Carlisle. I know. If if I made a game, it would have to be about the people of New Carlisle because that's like the only culture that I know really. So in order for me to not be culturally insensitive, I could uh, do do some game about New Carlisle. I feel like it could just... I don't know. (laughs) Even then, it would probably still be mean, but (laughs) whatever. Um. so Founders of Teotihuacan is a tile placement game. It's it's set in the Teotihuacan theme in basically like art and time period only. They share nothing else other than the name and some of the art, the way the scoring looks and some of the other pieces. And what you're doing in this is it's kind of a, a worker placement game where you have these action discs. Based on the number of players, you're going to have a certain number of action discs. And you're going to send those discs out to one of three locations. Each location is going to let you do one of two things. You can go to the first base, build a resource tile, which if you take the tile, you'll put it on your board, and it's going to generate either wood, stone, or gold for you based on the tile that you build. Uh, or at the bottom of that section, it's called an influence action. You can... Get two little small resource tiles of stone and wood and put it on your board. Or you can put one resource cube around all of your buildings that produce goods that have an open space. The next space is you can build a temple tile. You're going to go there. You're going to pay some resources. You're going to put a temple tile on your board. And then you're going to also get a worship tile of the matching color. Or at the bottom of that section, you can activate one of your previous worship tiles, score some points, uh, get some bonus actions, tiles, whatever. And then the third section is where you're going to be building pyramid tiles. Pyramid tiles are going to let you cover up spaces on the center of your board to get bonuses. And each pyramid tile is going to multiply by the color of the the same color temple in that district. There's four districts on your board. So if I have two red tiles and three temple tiles in a district, that'd be six points for me. And at the bottom of that tile is the favor track. Uh, the bottom of that section is a favor track. You're going to move up, score some points, and you can recycle one of your worship tiles for a better one. 
Uh, there's a little more to it than that. There's going to be action strength based on how many discs you place at each of the locations. Uh, that's going to let you determine which tiles you can take if you have to pay any additional bonus or any additional resources and all that kind of thing. But that's effectively it. You're going to play over three or four rounds based on the number of players. Then whoever has the most points is the winner. You're going to get your extra bonus points for your pyramid scoring at the end. And that's it. Um, it's okay. I'm probably going to be trading this one because no one else seemed to like it. But it was fine. It's not my favorite game in the world. But uh, it's it's fine for a polyomino game. So what did you think about Founders of Teotihuacan? I think I, I know what you think, but you can tell everybody else what you think. Yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, obviously, when we talk about polyomino game, Katie's out. Because um, you're supposed to be covering up these masks, but over 50% of the t- time, the tiles you get can't cover masks because you're not allowed. So I'm like, what? what? Um, the actions are stupid. Like... There should be an action for me to gather resources. Like, that, there isn't. There is an action. No, you go oh, to that so bottom you get space. one. You get one. Doesn't make sense. I should be able to refill a building or something. Like, no, no. And you've only got like a pathetic amount of actions. So you want me to get one resource? <sighs> Absolutely not. Like, why? It's like this game was designed to torture the players. Like, oh, you want to do something? <laughs> Just kidding. You can't. But you can maybe do half of it and act like you might be getting somewhere. No. That's true. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> I don't. And I saw like, I don't want to say this person's name because then I, it would be obvious how much I can't stand them. And then you would know because they actively pub- put stuff out on social media. I saw someone post by like, oh, this game is awesome. And I'm like, that means you're a sadist. Okay. Or no, you're a masochist because you like plain being inflicted on you. If you think this game is so great. No, no, you're wrong. You like can't get anywhere. Like I was like, I don't know how you score points. I thought I did. But when I try to do those things, I can't ever actually do those things. Like it's how I feel about Kanban, which I'm willing to give a second attempt to. This one I don't know about because also we got the weird shaped polyominoes that I can't ever actually put on mass to cover mass to get points. <laughs> So it wasn't for me. Yeah. I mean, I think I liked it the, the most of everybody, but I also had played it through a couple times by myself. So I was more familiar with it and how it worked. But yeah. And I could see like if I played it several times, I could finally puzzle out a strategy that could work. But I don't want to go through the torture of playing it several times to get to that point is the real problem. Um, and so then that's where I'm like, yeah, I'm out. I'm out on this one. Um, there is not much here to really like. I get some of the mechanics could be interesting. Like someone lays a few of workers on a certain spot. And so you can capitalize on that and give your own action there more strength and you don't get the bonus. But oftentimes like you're like, I can't freaking do anything. Like I'm going to go here and get this tile. It can't cover a mask. It can't actually give me resources. It can't like, so then it's, it feels like a lot of my actions were fruitless endeavors just designed to make me feel like I was getting somewhere, but I actually got nowhere. Uh, If it feels like I hate this game, I feel like that's a strong word, but I will never play it again and could possibly set on fire. So, uh, so on our glowing endorsement, (laughs) if anyone would like this, uh, a copy of this game, hit me up and I can, we can work something out. I, I think, you know what, there are probably people that would really like this. They are obviously smarter than me. And you know what, that's, that's a lot of people because I realize on the regular that I don't understand games. A lot of times I don't remember games even more, nor their designers or publishers. Um, so I think there are people out there that might like this game. 
you and I will not be friends, but you could absolutely like this game. Um, I will never play it with you. We can play something yeah. else. I think if you like polyomino games, you're going to like this one. Yeah, and and there are a lot of people, a lot of freaks I know that do, you know, like those games. And I'm so proud of you that your brain works like a normal person and mine does not. Uh, (laughs) I just, there were lots of things I didn't like about this. And I was trying to decide if it was because I was tired too when we played it. And I was like, oh God, like there's a lot of things not going for this game. Um but I really don't want to give it another shot, to be honest. And these, I'm sure the people that made it are very nice. I want them to succeed. Like, all of those things. I, this game just was absolutely not for me. It's the same guy that did Mandala Stones, and I think that game is great. But um, I remember playing that and liking it in some ways. Uh, it's an abstract game, that one. Yeah, and so I don't... I, that, that was kind of a thing against it. But... I, I would absolutely play Mandala Stones over this. So again, nothing against the designer. Wonderful person. Please succeed. People that are smarter than me, go ahead and play this game. All right. So on that note, (laughs) we are done with games played. Let's move on. All right. So last week we talked about a publisher that we have quite a few games from. Uh, Stonemaier Games. Shout out to Jamie. So we wanted to kind of continue that because I know people, there are lots of podcasts will focus on one game and somehow spend an entire hour or however long the podcast is talking about one game. We can't do that. That's just not our style. That's just not how we roll. So instead, we're kind of continuing with our, I don't know, publisher tour. I don't, I don't know. I don't have a good, a good name for this series. Favorite publishers. Boom. Done. that's terrible i'll think about it (laughs) um but today we want to talk about our favorite queen games uh we have a lot of queen games there i'm not saying that we love the publisher to death but we do have a lot of their games and have played a lot of their games um queen is notorious for having kickstarter campaigns where it's basically a pre-order system for the game that they have that's okay um not and then th- they throw it on Amazon later for like $15. Yeah. That is another reason why we have lots of queen games. We can get them on <laughs> sale. <laughs> we, again, are super bargain hunters and you can find them. I think part of that is because uh, queen doesn't seem to invest a lot of money in their artwork. Um, or any. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of their <laughs> games are real ugly. Um, real, real ugly. Um, but you know we go for that here. You know that's something that's attractive to us, which is why we have a lot of queen games. So we're going to count down. We actually have a top nine. We have more queen games than this. I just haven't played them, but Jason has. So I'll let him take the honorable mention section later. But I want to start at the top with a game that is notorious in some ways. And our number nine for our favorite countdown of queen games is Kingdom Builder. Um, What to say about Kingdom Builder? Like this game, I think is- it sucks. <laughs> That's what we say. Move on. Well, it's it's not that bad of a game. I when we played it, I did not think it was that bad. Is it a bit simplistic? Absolutely, but I think that there there's room for that in 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 the collection. So in Kingdom Builder, you're creating your own kingdom. Imagine that building kingdom, um, using cards to place settlements in different areas of terrain. 
And you're kind of trying, you're trying to place them in certain areas to get some gold because that's how you're going to win. Um, so you want to kind of be by a water, be by water or be by the castle. Um, and, or, and also you're kind of wanting to like have some area majorities in certain places. So I don't love area majority. I am not necessarily good at that kind of thinking like, oh yeah, if I build here and then here, then I'm going to have this majority here. And I, I'm not very good at that, but I feel like the, the one time I played this game, I won and that felt good. But again, it, it is a very light game. I think this is fine as an introductory game. Although like I see now on Amazon, it's like $43. I don't think I would pay $43 for introductory game um, with not good art because <laughs> the art is not good. Um, but I think this is something worth playing, especially if you're just starting out. Absolutely. Um, so that's why it's our lowest ranked game. Number nine, Kingdom Builder. Yeah. And I think this was number 13 on my list. But since you didn't play some of them, it got bumped up to number nine. So effectively, it's the the worst of the best. So kind of like our podcast. <laughs> no, we're not the we're not the worst of the best. We're I want to be worst. the worst of the best, but you're you're okay with being the best of the worst. That's true. Yeah, Kingdom Builder's fine. I need to try it again. I I just really hated that I had one card in my hand. I don't know why that bothered me so much, but I would like to have some choice, mm-hmm. and it just felt like I didn't have a choice. So maybe if I played it with some expansions or something, that would change my mind. But the one play, eh, just not my jam, and that's fine. All right, so number eight is actually a Stefan Feld game. So it's Merlin. No, I'm just kidding. This time. <laughs> it's uh, not number eight. <laughs> this game is called It Happens, and this is effectively like a kid's game that Stefan Feld did. And what you're doing is you're rolling some dice and you're placing these dice on these different ant hills to try to, I don't know, you're, you're taking on the role of an aardvark kind of, but we're all the same aardvark. I don't know. And then we're trying to get our dice onto these different columns on the ant hill to get different types of artifacts and things that the ant hill, the aardvark found when he was trying to eat ants and then try to get an area control on each of that, those columns for, some points. That's the game. You're going to play it over like four or five rounds and each round's going to play similarly. And you're just trying to have more of your influence in each of the different cards than everybody else. And there's some set collection with all the different stuff that you can find, which is pretty cool. So it's fine. I played it with our daughter, I think once it might've been a little too much for her because it is still felled. So even a kid's game from Feld is still going to feel feldy. Um, but yeah, it's, it's good. It's fine. It's just not something that I need to play a whole bunch. Number eight, it happens. Yeah, I know I played this, but I was also teaching another game to a group of people next to us at the same time. Um, I just remember that it has ants and aardvarks, and that's all I know. So It has cute art, like the anteaters. Yeah, cute. the artwork is actually cute for a queen game, but it, it didn't make an impression, a lasting impression on me, which is why it's so low. Uh, number seven, I actually, actually did make a lasting impression, and the more I think about it, the more I'm like, why didn't I rank this higher? Um, but Jason might have tanked my ranking on this. No, one. I thought I liked this game better than you. Uh, well, maybe I like this game better than I thought I like this game. This is the problem with me. Um, but the game is Parfum. Again, Parfum has hideous artwork, but I think the theme is so cool. So you are perfume makers and you are using dice to get 
different notes of fragrance to design different perfumes. And like you have to have successful rolls because you could also maybe have a fly in the ointment that may ruin the distillation process. Um, but you're rolling them to complete these different recipes for different perfume that you can then sell to patrons that want certain like types of scents. Um, and like, it's got like a really neat kind of turn order mechanism that says how many dice like you get to roll on your turn, like things to pull out of the bag. Um, I think it's really fun. I like the unique theme. Um, I like that there are just lots of these colored dice that you get to roll, you know, depending on what you draw and what you're allowed to roll. Um, there is even like water droplets that you can use to kind of mitigate some of that dice rolling, which I always like when you can kind of mitigate the luck. And I think that makes it for like a more fun kind of competitive game. I really like Parfum and it probably should be higher now that I look at it. Do we have an expansion for this? We did. It just added some extra dice, but someone wanted to buy it for me. So I sold it to him for like 30 bucks. Oh, well, I guess, I guess we don't. <laughs> but we have, we have Parfum still. <laughs> but yeah, it is, it is a really good game with like a, a fun, unique theme. The artwork's ugly, but there's some good kind of dice chucking type set collection stuff that I think makes this a fun, not super, you know, deep game. But a good game. So our number seven is Parfum. Yeah, I sold that expansion because last I heard you didn't like this game. So I was like, oh, I'm never going to play it again. Might as well make some money off of it. So that's what, what happened there. Maybe there, maybe I just have like some nostalgia <laughs> as I'm looking at this. Like, oh, yeah, Parfum. Yeah, that game. I remember that time in my life. It's possible. <laughs> yeah, so I like this game. It's effectively just a dice rolling, getting dice to match some perfume bottles. But outside of that, I mean... That's all it is. It might go on a little too long, but I like it. All right, so number six is one of the, I don't know, this is like, I think I won the spiel or something. It's a staple. People still buy and still play this game. They put out like 92 big box editions of it, uh, and this game is called Alhambra. There's a dice version. There's a card version. There's a version called New York, all effectively based off of this game. And effectively what this game is, is it is a game where you are... I've only played this a couple times, so let me see if I can remember. You're you're buying different tiles, mm -hmm. uh, and you have to use uh, correct change if you don't aren't using expansions because you don't get money back. Right. And then you're putting these tiles down in front of you to build your Alhambra. They're all going around this fountain, and you're trying to make this wall that's continual, so you get a bunch of points. Uh, if you can get certain colors of buildings down in your Alhambra, you're going to score some points as well. I think, I don't remember that, but I know you're buying a tile and you're building the wall. Because I focus on that stupid wall so much, I don't actually remember what else you're supposed to be doing. But <laughs> there is a wall and there's a fountain and some colors of tiles. And whoever has the most points, like every good game, is the winner. Uh, it's a really, like this is a, a gateway game that a lot of people use because it's easy to teach, it's easy to play. Um, if you can make, if you can collect money and spend money and put a tile down you can play this game that's effectively the game um it's not my favorite game in the world i think i ranked it lower than katie did but it's fun and i'll play it if somebody wanted to play it i'm just it's not one that we own this is one of the few of the ones on our list that we don't actually own so um and kingdom builder because wolf but we don't own kingdom builder and we don't own alhambra but i wouldn't turn it down if somebody wanted to play it so that's number six 
Yeah, I've only played it once. I probably should have ranked Perfume higher than this one. Um, but I kind of like this one. For some reason, I refuse to call it Alhambra. I can only sing Rock the Casbah every time <laughs> I play this game. I don't know why. Like, I could not get that out of my head the whole time we played. Um, Rocking the Casbah? Yeah, because I feel like this Alhambra is like Casbah. Like, I don't know. I. I don't ask me how my brain works. It doesn't. We've established I, oh, I don't, that. I, I don't ask you that. <laughs> um, but I think like the different types of like tiles that you're playing as you're kind of laying out this Alhambra. Um, I do like that. The idea of like trying to get the most bang for your buck because you don't get change. Um, yeah, it's like a nice little little game. I probably should have ranked Perfume higher than this. Whoops, my bad. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, it's our list. We can just pretend like you had a rated real high and I had a rated real low. There yeah, you go. I mean, Alhambra, gosh, why don't we own this? <laughs> the big box, man. What's wrong with you? It was Katie's number one and my number 14, so that's why it's number six. <laughs> uh, all right, so the next game is one I actually did rate pretty high because I really like this game. Uh, I've played it a couple times. I'd like to play it more, but it takes three, and not everybody wants to play the ugly games that we like to play, so that's why we don't play it. True. And that game is called Neptune, no E. So Neptune, and um, this is a game about traveling around um, the Mediterranean. <laughs> the Mediterranean, yes. So you're traveling around the Mediterranean, and you're going to be trading with different cities in that Mediterranean. <laughs> Imagine and that. The way that, that <laughs> the way that the game works is on your turn, you're going to draft a stack of cards. There's going to be um, column number of columns plus one, I think. So if you're playing a four player game, you're going to have five columns out there, and each of the columns is going to have a card for wind speed which is a card you're going to be playing on your turn. It's going to have a good, and it's going to have a location that you have to deliver that good to. So the way that over, you're going to be drafting five different columns of cards because you're trying to build a route on your little tableau in front of you where you can deliver to each of these different locations in order. So the first column I take, if I think, man, I don't want to deliver that first, I can put it down on space number four of my board. But then I had to make sure that any other stuff that comes up on the drafting part, I'm going to be able to slot into that either after that or before that. So my route traveling through the water makes sense because I want to deliver them in order. If you go out of order, you can't do that. You lose. You have five to seven delivery turns to try to deliver these things in order. Then you're going to score points based on what your card gives you. If you make it to the location, whoever has the highest value or whoever's disc is the farthest around each of these different colors of cities. There's like six buildings on there. Each city represents one of the colors. And um, whoever's the farthest around each of these buildings is going to score some extra points. Um, when you play a card down for action, it's going to tell you how far you can move. It's also going to affect the wind um, power, which could make you move farther or less for the round, which is tricky. So it's a really cool interesting card game and some traveling around on a boat and trying to deliver things in a proper order. So a programming game, a drafting programming game, kind of. And I really like it. So I don't I don't remember where you rated it, but must have been not terribly low because it's number five. So Neptune, number five. No, because I, 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 I think I've only played this one time and I've watched you play like a, a game or two more of it. I didn't remember it as a drafting game. I specifically remembered it as programming and like... um sort of pick up and deliver like maybe like contract fulfillment um more so but i think the programming aspect is really interesting as far as like the wind speeds and and where you can get and it it is kind of tricky because that programming element like if you get it screwed up like 
you really can't fulfill stuff. And then you're kind of sunk, no pun intended. Um, but again, I, I kind of like trading in the Mediterranean. So I think this is a pretty good game. And I would like to play it more because I myself haven't played it as much as you have. Yeah. And I again, I've played some of it three-handed solo just because I wanted to play it too. But I didn't count those in this. But sometimes I'll just play a game because I want to play it. But yeah, it's good. Um, the next game on our list is one that I really enjoy, and I think it's not in the top three because Jason ranked it lower than I did, um, but that game is Fresco. Fresco is a really neat game. It's also kind of programming um, because you're programming what you're going to do during your day. It has that kind of thing that you also see in Viticulture as a reference to last week where you pick what time you're going to get up. Um, if you go earlier, you get access to certain worker placement spaces before. Well, I guess you don't because you you fire off your, your programmed actions first. But like that may allow you to get to the market earlier to get um, the like the certain colors of paint before other people. Um, but then you also get bonuses if you go later in the day and try to make the best of what you have, which I really like about this game because you may not be able to get the paints you want. You may not be able to paint the section of the ceiling that you're working on you're working on this big fresco i mean hello it's in the title uh so you just got to make the best with what you have like okay well these are colors i have that space was taken what's the next best thing and how can i move i don't know if it's the pope i assume him or whoever he is close uh, the bishop bishop, bishop. the, yeah. the we're not good enough to have the Pope there. Uh, the bishop. Oh, he's around. not going to be looking at a painting. Come I on. know. He's out running around the Pope mobile. <laughs> um, but the bishop comes and if he's near, you get extra points. So like really trying to work with all those different things, I think is really cool. Um, certain actions fire off in a certain order. So like mixing colors comes after painting. So there's a lot of thinking ahead, planning out your, not only this turn, but future turns. Um, and then like hoping that the people don't jack it up. The colors that you get are these cubes and they're different sizes of cubes, I think, based on like how rare the color is, which I think is really crazy and interesting. Um, but I really like this kind of art themed game. Um, again, for being an art themed game, it's the art on the game is ugly, <laughs> but the game itself is really fun. We have an expansion for this one, I think, right? Yeah, we have the actual oh, portraits. The well, that came in the base box. So we have the base oh. box that has three little mini expansions. And then for like a miniature market Black Friday sale, we got something called the Scrolls expansion. It was like $3. And it's just going to add like contracts of where you need to paint and that kind of thing. Yeah. So those I think are really neat because if you can't really paint the ceiling, you can also paint these portraits. Like the expansions just add little extra things that are not necessary, but just kind of more of a good thing. So our number four is Fresco. Really good game. Oh, yeah. I, I like Fresco quite a bit. I think the the way that the one, two, and three, and four shake out, I think mine is almost exactly the same as this. So I think we both rated Fresco. You might have rated it a little bit higher than me, but mine was no lower than four. I know that. All right. So the next game is another Feld game. Feld doesn't do a ton of queen games, but he's done three. a few. Hey, you're spoiling it. He's done two. We're for covering all queen games. He's done three. We've talked about two. <laughs> oh, that's true. I didn't say whether yeah, so, we'll mention the third one. Yeah. So this one is called Amerigo. And this is in the big box. Uh, it has a cube tower like Shogun. Also a queen game, which will be in my honorable mentions because Katie hasn't played it. And what you're doing in this is at the beginning of the of a, 
around, you're going to be taking all of one color of cube is going to represent an action. And I think there are six or seven different actions. You're going to take the cubes, you're going to throw them in the cube tower. Whatever comes out, whatever color cubes come out, those are the actions that you can take. And whatever color comes out the most is the strength of the action that you can take. So normally, most of the cubes come out and you can take pretty much any action that you want. But there are some times when you really need to do something and that cube doesn't come out. And you're, you're kind of have to change your, your strategy around a little bit. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to move your boat around to these different islands, uh, settle, set up trading posts, which are going to score you points. Uh, you're trying to pick up different resources or goods like, um, tobacco, cotton, tea There's one other one. I don't know. And, uh, you're also trying to get multipliers to make those worth a lot of points. You're trying to get up, can't, uh, build up your, artillery your cannons so you can fight off the pirates that are going to come attack you're trying to move up on some tracks because this is a felled game and you need to move up on tracks um and you're just trying to do all that stuff in the most efficient ways possible to score the most points so felled with a cube tower is what this game is uh, i really like it it's not my favorite felled but it's it's fun and i like the way that the cube tower works and tells you what actions are able to be taken each round and i don't know it's it's random and i kind of like random it's fun to me so number three amerigo yeah i like this one too the cube tower is neat i don't remember there being tracks isn't this where you have to get like um like multiplying these certain types of goods by no that's a different yeah game. yeah you're multiplying the the goods you're picking up on the islands from the little production tiles that you're yeah. getting at the yellow and then there's a brown track that you're moving around that's going to give you like bonus tiles where I can make I can add one to all my red tiles that I get or whatever. And then there's a gold track you're moving up, and there's also the white track on the board, which is turn order. That's also going to be like a wild whenever you activate the white ability. So there's like four tracks. Do they look like tracks? Yeah, they're tracks. Three, uh, three of them are on your player board: the cannon, the gold, and the brown track oh, are on your player board, okay, and the white ones on okay. the scoring track. Okay, I, I vaguely remember that. I don't see it as like tracks. Like that's not what I'm thinking of. But yeah, I can they're see counting things. But yeah, there, it's a track, but it's still like signifying like a resource or something. Yeah, yeah, it still is is a good game. I like that the cube tower is like, hey, you can take these actions, but there are ways to like mitigate that through getting like special tiles and things, which I think is really cool. Um, but then it's the intensity of the action is also out there. So yeah, this game is good. Um, number two, I obviously like it better. I don't know who designed this um, as usual, but I really like this game. I think it's so thematically strong and that game is Thieves. So Thieves is basically like Indiana Jones, the board game in a lot of ways, um, because you're out there, you want to discover treasure at these dig sites. So you're moving around to different cities in Europe, trying to gain knowledge um, of these different civilizations. There's like uh, Greek, Egyptian, Palestinian, uh, Ottoman, maybe. I don't remember. What are you talking about where you, where you're trying to dig yes, from? Yes, Mesopotamia. Yeah, I don't remember. There's five different colors of bags. That's all. I <laughs> of course, um, but you gather this knowledge, and then you can decide to go and have your own archaeological dig. And then this is where it gets really interesting because then you're saying, how much time am I going to spend digging? And how much knowledge do I have? And you put those two things together on this dial, and it tells you how many tokens you draw out of the bag that represents the dig site. Now. Yes, there are awesome artifacts in there, and some of them are really good, and some of them are not as good. And then also there's just plain dirt, 
because when you're digging an archaeological site, you might not be in the right place. You might not find a whole bunch of artifacts. You might just find a bunch of dirt. And I love that. In some ways, this is push your luck. And I think some people get frustrated. Um, but as people find artifacts, those artifacts come out of the bag, but the dirt does not. Again, that is so thematic. That's what's going to happen at an archaeological dig. Like, I think that's awesome. Like, I love that. So you're spending time, that kind of mechanism um, on who gets a turn and you kind of balancing like the time spent at dig sites versus the time spent to move around to different cities. Like, I, I think that there is some really great mechanism happening in this game. And also, I, I love the theme. I think that's great. You can also... Um, do some set collection pieces to get some points. You can put some of your artifacts that you found um, on display in like a museum tour and that gives you points. I just, it's just a really fun game. The artwork is ugly, absolutely. Uh, but the theme is fantastic and the way the theme is carried out through the gameplay, I think is really great. So number two, Thebes. Yeah, I I think this my, was probably my number two as well. It's so good. Uh, I love the push your luck part. I like reaching into that bag with pulling out 12 chips and you get two good things and a bunch of dirt. It's so frustrating, but it's so fun at the same time. Yeah. This, this is a great game and one that I want, always want to play more, but I know not everybody likes it as much as we do, which is sad. It is sad. I want to talk about the number one game because I really like this game. It's super high on my top 100. I think it's top five for me. I can verify that. Um, but we hinted at this. Jason, like, totally let the cat out of the bag. Um, our favorite queen game is Merlin. This is my number I mean, four. If, they, if they didn't know by now, come on. They they all knew. <laughs> right. They all know. You've listened to my top 100. Number four, my top 100 of all time is Merlin. This game is so good. We also had the Arthur expansion, which I think makes a good game even better. There's a rondelle. You are using these dice that have been rolled for everyone to move your people around, I don't know, these different cities, I guess, um, to collect things that are going to allow you maybe to mitigate dice, to fight off invaders, um, to allow you to place um, some, I don't want to say, it's not really area control, but in some ways it sort of is, to get some bonuses on this like side kind of land board i don't know what that's called does it have a name i'm sure it does uh yeah what is it called um i don't know it has a name but yeah you're putting tiles down to build some stuff yeah right um in the arthur expansion so then there's also merlin kind of pawn and die that everyone can move and it can move counterclockwise or clockwise so choosing when to move your pawns versus when to move merlin um to get what you're looking for that's like really great planning with the Arthur expansion. Then you've got Arthur who moves around and is also used by everyone. So deciding who to move at what time with what die, I collecting points in all these different ways possible. And also the artwork for this one isn't that bad. I feel like it totally goes with the theme of this Merlin Arthurian kind of, middle ages look some stained glass like i i kind of like it i dig it um 
there's also another expansion, right? Morgana that we don't have. Yeah, Morgana, and there's a few little queenies, which are like little mini ones that we don't have. But Morgana is the big one. I know. We're working on that at some point. Um, but this game is really good. Lots of things to juggle and manage. Uh, but I love that in a game, and I know you like it as well. Oh yeah, um, it's not. What'd you say was your number four? Uh, number four of all time. It's not my number four of all time. It's my number five of all time. So I mean, <laughs> close. Yeah, it's. It's still a great game. It's not my favorite Feld, but as far as Felds go, this one is, I love everything about it. He, it's like his take on rolling and moving, but there's ways to mitigate. There's the Arthur and the Merlin dice, which give you more flexibility. I don't I, ju- I just love everything about it. Feld, but with a Rondell, what could go wrong? Nothing could go <laughs> wrong. And yeah, decent art. It doesn't look as terrible as some of these other games on this list. That's for sure. That is true. So those are our top nine queen games that we actually both have played. There would be more on this list if Jason actually played more with me, to be honest. Um, But since he he has played more, um, let's talk about some honorable mentions that are queen games that we also like and own. Okay, so we own three of these four. Um, The first one we're going to talk about is Queen's Architect which is actually, if I played this more, it would probably be a little higher than some of the other ones that I rated. But this is a game where you're moving around this carriage and you're trying to build different types of buildings for the queen. You're trying to earn favor with the queen. It's a race to get the most favor that you can to be the first player to hit like a certain threshold, then you win. Uh, you're recruiting these different workers and you're as they work, they get stronger or weaker and eventually they're going to need to go rest at the, the pub and all that kind of thing. It's really cool, but I only played it once, so that's why it's on the... Honorable mention to Katie never played it. Next one is Shogun, which is a reimplementation of Wallenstein, but this one's in Japan, so that's clearly better than Germany. Um, Word. This is this was the f- uh, this also has a cube tower. It's like a it's like Risk kind of a Euroy version of Risk, but the cube tower is going to represent like some of the combat resolution when you're fighting. So you could go the more cubes you throw in there, in theory, the better that you're opportunity you're going to have to take over that area but there's also some farmers that can come in and they can rise up against you and dispel you from regions that kind of thing so functions like risk some cool like card programming and cube tower kind of neat uh liguria is the precursor to fresco and this is about um traveling around to different islands to get the pigments so you can make the paint that is needed for the fresco and the way that works is you're traveling to a island you're going to get some paint cubes you're going to bring those paint cubes back to your island so pick up and deliver to fulfill different kind of contracts of different color paints that are needed to score points there's a little more to it than that but that's the gist and then the last one is escape the curse of the temple i think that's the subtitle i'm not sure and this is a real-time dice rolling game where you're playing for 10 minutes and you're trying to go into this temple get all these um, crystals out and make it out before the time is up. Um, you might have to help some other people by rolling some different die faces because as you're rolling, you're going to get some cursed masks, die faces, and your dice are going to be locked. People need to help you to get your dice unlocked or you're going to be stuck in the temple and everybody's going to lose. Um, it's stressful. It has a creepy, creepy soundtrack, um, but all it is is rolling dice. Rolling dice, moving your little person, grabbing some gems, and then move, rolling your dice again. That's it. But that's the one we don't own. But I've played it a couple times. I don't know where Katie was, but I played that a couple times. So those are the honorable mentions. Yeah, I don't know where I was on any of those. We have talked about Shogun before, and you said, oh, I think you'd like it. But I don't know why, because I definitely don't think I'd ever like Risk. So 
Yeah, the more I think about it, I don't think that would be one that you'd ever want to play, which is why I haven't played that one with you. I played it with Brandon and Chris. McQueen's Architect and Liguria, I feel like, are should to be on my to be played list on the board of eligibility, which hasn't been updated in quite some time. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is up there, I believe. I need. I do need to update it. So we clearly like Queen games. I mean, ugly art. They go on sale frequently. I mean, what's not to love? So what about you guys? Do you like Queen games? Have you played Queen games? Would you like to play Queen games? Tell us about it. We've got so many ways for you to communicate communicate with us. Um, why aren't you? So find us on Facebook. There's our Facebook group, hashtag The Riveted. There's always great conversation happening there about games, asking for recommendations, um, talking about games, all that wonderful. Also our Instagram, showing pictures of what you're playing, what's out there. Um, the Twitter, I know we've got some good diehard Twitter followers. I don't understand the Twitters, but Jason does. So he's all over that. Um, YouTube, as always, that's popping for us because Jason's always putting out video content. We also have a couple blogs out there on our website, bgmechanics.com. I've written one. I'm looking for inspiration for my second blog. So if you've got ideas, um, let me know. Slip into my DMs and tell me. Uh, not in a weird way, but you know, just tell me. Yeah, let, let's not keep it weird. Let's not get weird, people. Come on. <laughs> um, but what one of our friends said that the blog I wrote sounded apparently just like me. So if you find me annoying, don't read my blogs. Uh, but if you kind of <laughs> are, well, used that was Tim, and he wasn't saying that in an annoying way. No, no, no. I know, but some people have said that I'm annoying. So if you're annoying, don't read my oh, blog right, because yeah. it sounds right. just like my me, my talking. <laughs> So you just picture my annoying voice saying more words than I do on a regular basis. Um, but if you like that sort of thing, if you like um, written reviews, I would like to do more of that because writing is a medium that is kind of my my natural habitat and I don't have to worry about how I look like I do in videos. So uh, please send some suggestions for written reviews that you want to see. We obviously are not super new hotness people. So if you're looking for the new hotness, I'm probably not going to review that because we don't have it. But if if we've talked about a game and you know we do have it or we know we've played it, I would be happy to do a written review. So so send me those in all of the different manners of communication we have, as well as our new Discord chat. So if you like to use Discord, if you know about that, understand that. I'm trying, man. I'm trying. Uh, tell me there or direct message us in any of those other ways. Um, We love hearing from you guys, responding, trying to give you the content that you want. Again, we don't do this for the money because we don't get any. Um, We do it for (laughs) cheaper games, uh, going to cons and meeting all of you guys. We love to talk about games. We love to play games. That's why we're here. So hit us up. Yeah. And uh, I'm just going to put this PSA out at the end. If there's any issues with the podcast loading to Apple podcast again, Please let me know. I think it's sorted out, but I want to make sure that it's not an ongoing issue and we have to beat up iTunes. But just let me know, if you would, please. Yep. We're trying to to get everything out to you. Jason's man versus machine, trying to get that stuff out to work. So I had to call in the big gun last time. I got Joel Kratzer involved. Watch out. Yeah, he's a big gun. <laughs> Who knew, right? <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's all we have for today's episode. This kind of went on long because I like to talk. It's fine. Yeah. 
Maybe Jason will just be like, eh, it's too long. I'm just going to edit out like 30 minutes and just see how it goes. And, and we only have three queen games now. Done. <laughs> it's possible. So um, have a great week, everybody. Uh, we'll, will we see them next week? Because next week. Oh, we- yeah. I don't, I don't know. We may not have an episode next week. That's a good point. And next yeah. week is mine and Jason's 15th wedding anniversary. Can you believe it? He's put up with me for 15 years. Legally it's binding. Like it's a. It's only felt like 32, 32 I know, long right? years. It seems like we've been together our whole lives. <laughs> so, yeah, um, if we're not going to have a po- an episode, I'll let everybody know early on in the week. But chances are probably like 95% we're not going to. But, yeah. So just expect that we're not. And if something changes, I'll let you know either way. Yeah, maybe we'll try. We'll try and do something different or put out some different kind of stuff, content for you guys. But, yeah, we have been... Legally married for 15 years, and it's been a wonderful 15 years, and we want to celebrate that <laughs> kind of by ourselves, to be honest. So um, yep. if yep. you don't hear with it from us next week, it's not because we're hungover from St. Patrick's Day. It's because we got married on St. Patrick's Day, and we're celebrating that awesome, I don't know, event. It was a good time for me. You say legally married, like we've been together like... Uh... 20 years and we were only married for 15. Well, that's true. I guess like we had, we were pretty conventional. Like we started dating nine months after we started dating, we got engaged. Six months later, we got married. So it was a bit of like a whirlwind kind of romance, I suppose, compared. But we have been together longer than 15 years. Katie had to lock down this uh, Adonis of a male specimen here. (laughs) That's why uh, she was in a rush to get married there. Yeah, I'm sure. More like Jason was like, (laughs) crap, someone actually picked me. Uh, yeah, we like, better get... marry me before you change your mind. Come on, let's go. <laughs> yeah, that's how it went. And you all should celebrate our wedding anniversary because if we didn't get married, we probably wouldn't have the board game mechanics. Well, that's deep. That is deep. We definitely wouldn't have kids. Well, yeah, but I mean, we wouldn't have started like playing games together. Like Joel was my yeah. friend and I introduced you to and... That's true. Mistakes were made. Yeah. And here we are. <laughs> I mean, really... <laughs> Yeah. Oh my gosh, if, no, you, that's, if you've that's, kept that's listening this long, you are true fans. <laughs> I feel like we should put like a code word at the end now. Like if you've listened to our whole weird, ridiculous love story, please comment in any of our social medias, you know, bing bong or whatever. Like, I don't know. Hashtag 15 years. That's what Joe used to do. He'd do the hashtags at the end. Hashtag 15 years. There we go. Hashtag, hashtag Sam, Shamrock Love. I don't know. Ooh, yeah. Half-tra- hash, hash rag. Hashtag <laughs> Shamrockin. Shamrockin. <laughs> oh, my gosh, guys. We're totally done. I've been Katie. Yep. And I'm Jason. <laughs> Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming. Keep gaming.